You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So if you will, stand with me as we stand on the solid rock of God's word. I'm reading one verse to you. And then throughout the course of the morning, I'll look at several other passages as well. But I want to take you to Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. This is sort of like the last message that we get from the Old Testament. So if the prophets had a, a, an ending, as it were, this is it. And this verse encapsulates what is to come. This one verse, in my view, is preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ Let's listen to what it has to say. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. It may have been a long time since you left church leaping, (laughs) but I pray today that will be the case. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this hope that we have Thank you, Lord. As as I read these words, I know that you, Jesus, are the son of righteousness. You bring light into our darkness. It is easy to see the sin and darkness in the world and to feel overwhelmed by it. But I am thankful that when your light shines, there is healing in my heart. And I know you have healed me many times over the years and my heart and I know that there are many in this room that need that healing light and love even now. And so, God, if we brought a heavy heart into this place, it's understandable. But let your light shine. Thank you, Jesus, for being our gift of life and light. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Light is just a part of who we are. Every time we open our eyes in this world, we are inundated with light. And when we come to the scriptures and we see that God is light, there's so much to that that we need to grab a hold of. But think about it. When we think about the 4th of July, the first thing that comes into my mind, of course, is the fireworks. We have the big fireworks displays at Christmas time. We go and drive around and, and look at all the Christmas lights. They're beautiful if you've ever been to Disney World, you know they spend like a billion dollars uh, to put on a, a light show and fireworks show every night. Now, the reason I mention all of those different uh, experiences with light is because as human beings, we're, we're just drawn to the light. We, we love it. it. It excites us. It, it sort of gets the brain going. It, it fires the neurons in our brains. We are light lovers. We love the light. And the reason why is because, and and if you don't know Jesus, you may not fully understand this, but those of you here today who are in Christ, you need to realize the reason why you are drawn to light is because God is light. In Romans chapter 1, we we learn of how creation itself preaches the gospel, and one of the ways that creation preaches is through light. It seems so simple, but it is profound. The psalmist, in meditating on what light means and how God connects with it, Psalm 36, 9, uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite verses, for with you is the fountain of life. And then later he says, in your light do we see light. It is with the help of Jesus that we are able to appreciate 
the light of the world. And Jesus says in John 8, 12, notice this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I have to tell you, I, I think many times we are walking in the darkness and we shouldn't be. We have this amazing promise of light. And the fact that in a pre-modern society, God would use this expression, I am light. We, we need to grab a hold of this. This is important because light is an incredible phenomenon. It's something that scientists to this day, we all know. I mean, anybody who has vision can see light and knows how important it is, but scientists struggle to even define it. And it's only been in the last hundred years that we've understood some of the principles of light. For instance, light is a particle and a wave. Now, there are probably very few physicists in the room, uh, but even if we had a room full of physicists, there would be a great debate in here as to the properties of light and what it means. Because if I say that light is a particle and a wave, I'm actually saying something that's a contradiction. Einstein himself, so if you're struggling with this, don't worry, because even Einstein couldn't figure it out, all right? So we're in good company. Einstein said... It was an impossible thing to get our minds around. And in the scientific community today, when we, when we follow people maybe on, on Twitter or if we read what they say on Facebook, if they're totally committed to science, they, they like to say, well, you know, <clears throat> everything I believe uh, is proven by science. And then you start reading scientists and they're like, yeah, this thing called light, we don't even know what it is. We don't, we don't understand it. There's a mystery here. There's things I, I, that we have to right now just sort of believe and trust in. And brothers and sisters, that's our language. Amen? Believe, trust. When I think about Jesus being the light, one of the things that my mind begins to think about is, is yeah, light's hard to explain and so is the virgin birth. When you sit down and try to explain to someone the Christmas story, it's biologically hard to describe. It's an awkward conversation. But it's a biblical truth. Quite frankly, when we get around to Easter, we have a similar problem. We're talking about a guy who died on a cross and three days later rose up from the grave. The things we believe are spectacular, awesome, and radical. The problem is we don't act all that awesome, spectacular, or radical with our faith. We need to understand that this simple idea of God as light should transform everything about us. We need to realize that we are being called into something radical. Now, these things I've talked about with light, the people in Jesus' day wouldn't have understood that. But Jesus doesn't say, I'm like light. He says he is light. This is interesting. Now, I don't want to get all Star Trek on you or whatever, you know, warp speed or whatever, but... If we could travel at the speed of light, this is really interesting. Light, at its speed, it is timeless. Einstein said that if we could go the speed of light, we would literally not be in time. We would be in an eternal state. Well, that sounds a lot like God to me. God is eternal. Everything about what Jesus says here can truly blow your mind if you let it. There is something beautiful here that God is trying to tell us. He's telling us when he says that he is light, he is telling us that we have a message here that can do more than just 
deliver us from evil, though that's a really good thing. I'm talking about delivering us from evil, but transforming us. Church, it is time that we absorbed the sunlight of Jesus and allow the world to see that we've been changed. The church today needs to regain its radicalness. Now, let me make this clear. What I mean by that is a radical type of message and a radical type of living where we are giving our very best to the church, to Jesus. What I want to see is more than just people illuminated with truth. We need to see people transformed by it. The book we've been reading, The Seventh Birthday, during this Advent season, today I'm going to be looking at and drawing a few ideas from today's reading and tomorrow's. But one of the things that Winslow and Carr talk about is is that Jesus is God's magnum opus, his, his major work, his most beautiful gift to us. And church, I hope that you have received that beautiful gift, that perfect light, and that you're going to do something with that light in this world. Let's talk first about the light kindled. Now, that word kindled, uh, it's not just the little device that you read your books on now from Amazon, right? The Kindle. Similar, same word, same root, but we know if we have ever put a fire together in a fireplace or at a campsite, we know that we need kindling. We need that smaller, those smaller bits of wood that can get the fire started. And church, I believe that Malachi 4.2 is that kindling. And quite frankly, if we want to go back in time and look at all of the prophets, each one, every book of the Old Testament, let's just say there's 39 Uh, pieces of kindling that we've been given in the Old Testament, but it's all meant to get a fire started. That the New Testament time, when it came, that everybody would understand that the light that the Hebrew Scriptures had been referring to was no one other than Jesus. And these verses, I believe, in Malachi 4, but if you get into the New Testament, especially the stories of Christmas and the coming of Jesus, what we realize is this is, this is where the light was ignited for the world to see. And we need to realize if we will fear the Lord, it says right here in Malachi 4:2, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. The message of the gospel, the light of the gospel, yes, it illuminates our our minds. It lights up our brains and, and all of the things going on in our heads, yes. But understand this, that we're not here to just have a truth that we feel good about, but we have a truth that should light a fire in us. And we need to be ablaze with this truth so the world can see that what we're talking about is not just another way, another lifestyle, another methodology, but truly life. It's our privilege to let the light shine, to bring it into the world. It is the gift of God. The light of Jesus is the very gift of God. And we want to bring that light and the warmth of the gospel to everyone we come in contact with. Remember Samson? Samson's name meant sunny or sunshine. And yet, what he brought was so dark. He brought violence and death. We talked about that in, uh, a couple weeks ago and talked about the, the negativity there in that story. But even Samson and all of his brokenness is pointing us to a light that would come. In fact, Malachi picks up that same concept of the sunlight 
And what we realize is, is that where Samson failed because of anger and violence, Jesus succeeded because of his humility, his grace, and his willingness to lay down his life for others. There's a lesson here. If we want to be a part of the gift of God, if we want to share the gift of light, then we need to allow God to change us, that we can become servants of one another and servants of the church and of Christ. That's what God is calling us to. And I believe that Christmas light leads to Christmas joy. That last line, you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. I know that many times we leave here and this service, you're probably thinking about lunch. I don't know what you're thinking about. Uh, the first service, I don't, they're, they're thinking about getting out of here and figuring out how to beat traffic. I don't know what it is, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that we're good at leaving church and we're leaping like calves from the stall. I, maybe at the Pentecostal church they are, I don't know. But, but, but here we, we may not do that. Now, that, that, that's no one's fault. Our tradition is a little more laid back and chill. That's okay, okay? So I'm not being hypercritical. But I am asking you this. I'm asking you to consider how you can sing the songs we sing every Sunday and we can open up God's word and hear about the salvation that Jesus provides us uh, through the cross and the hope of eternal life in heaven, uh, the resurrection life that we have in Jesus. And it seems like we can walk out of here with just this, our heart rate isn't even elevated. We have these fancy watches that'll, you know, read our heartbeat and everything else. And I just wonder as we're hearing about the gospel, if our watch is telling us that we're about to, you know, that we're about to flatline, you know, uh, the, the, heart, the heart rate seems to be going down. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons why I think. It's because we've heard this message a lot. If you are here today, you've probably heard me. If you've been a, a member here for a long time, you've heard me preach scores of times. You've heard maybe hundreds, if not thousands of sermons. This is, some, this is nothing new. At Christmas time, listen, there's nothing I can say to you about Christmas that you haven't heard a million times before. But the sad reality is, is that just like this year, just like last year and the year before, you have not had a fire in your heart, a fire in your belly for Jesus in a long time, and that's not okay. The radical transformation of the gospel requires us to be new creatures, new creations. We need the kindling of the scriptures to light this flame. John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, he sung this song, and, and directly, directly before Christ's birth, he said this, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus would bring. John chapter 1, notice this, the prologue of John, talking about John the Baptist. Listen to these words. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the life. Last week I said that John the Baptist is the bookend, he's the, the, the punctuation mark, the period at the end of the Old Testament. But notice that the last words of the last Old Testament prophet is pointing us to Jesus and the light of Jesus, the sunrise from on high, the tender mercies of God. Jesus, he is in the business of chasing away shadows and darkness and guiding us in the way of peace. 
This week in my Bible reading, I was in Romans, and in Romans 16, there's this very unusual verse that talks about how the peace of our Lord Jesus is going to crush. Did that wake you up? <laughs> Trying here. Crush Satan under heel. Now, what's funny to me about that is, okay, you're thinking peace and love and light, and then crush. Satan is crushed. What's interesting to me is that light has no weight. Light does, you can't measure the weight of, of light. It doesn't really have any measurement like that. But light, God, Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world. There is no weight, but that heel will crush Satan and darkness forever. The mystery of the gospel is, is that the light of Jesus will crush the darkness, not just dispel it. That just sounds like a polite, uh, you know, darkness, move aside. But Paul says in Romans, no, Satan and darkness will be crushed. And this is why we have to make sure that our hearts are kindling, that we are providing just enough of ourselves so that the light of the gospel can ignite in us. Why? Because we want to crush Satan. The light in us gives us a spiritual weight, the ability to push back against darkness. And we need to do that because of the long night of sin. The next seven days are some of the longest nights of the year. December 21st is the longest night of the year, and Christmas only has five more seconds of sunlight. Enjoy them. All five seconds. On Christmas, it's interesting that, that we would have the darkest time of the year. But if you think about it, you don't go see Christmas lights during the noon hour. No one says, hey, let's take a lunch break and go see Christmas lights. You don't do that unless you're working the night shift, right? Okay, you're taking your lunch at 3 in the morning, works out great. But at noontime, no, it's not. The light shines the brightest in the darkness. And I think at Christmas, church, this is our opportunity to shine. It is a longer period of darkness and it's not just the metaphor I'm using here about the literal darkness, the, the length of the day or the shortness of the day, if I were to put it correctly there. But what we're talking about here is the darkness that inundates the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. In the gospel, we are told that, that Jesus is the light of men. Let me read to you what John's gospel says, chapter 1, verse 4. In him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's good news. That is good news that we have the light. We are here today, and if we had time for everyone to give a testimony, if you are a Christ follower, my guess is, is that it's not always been about your, you know, your, your memoir would not be my time in the light, how, how good my life has been, how perfect my life has been. No, most of us in our testimony, if we could share it with you, we start with our darkness. We tell you about our failures. We talk about the many times things have not gone well, but that's okay. We don't mind telling you about our darkness because the high watermark of our story is... I saw the light. I found the light. It found me. I have been changed by Jesus. Earl Ellis was one of my professors at Southwestern. 
He was an interesting guy, a true genius and great New Testament scholar. He says this, light and darkness are opposites, but they are not equals. Now get that in your head. They are opposites, but they are not equals. When light and darkness collide, the light wins every time. That's what verse 5 of John 1 says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The old King James said comprehended. It can't comprehend it. It can't overcome it. When the light is shining in you, the darkness flees. So I think Christians need to do this. Talk about application. Instead of talking about how dark the world is, let the light of Christ shine through you and change it. Stop complaining about the darkness. I am tired of it. And it seems the older we get, the easier we complain. And that is not okay. If we are mature believers in Christ, we need to be acting like we are one day closer to glory, that we're one day closer to the light of heaven where there is no lamp or moon or sun. There is only the light of Jesus. If we're getting closer to that, and by the way, if you're getting older, you're getting closer. If we're getting closer to that light, then we should be spending less time dabbling in darkness and more time experiencing the light and letting it shine through us. I want to challenge you. That's what I, I think that's what Christian maturation is. To grow up in Jesus is to be more of a light bearer instead of being, you know, Eeyore, you know, in your small group. Oh, well, must be the end of the world. I've heard that all my life. I've, I've been, you know, around uh, churches all my life. And, and bless our hearts. I'm saying it uh, collectively. Bless our hearts. You know, I don't think Eeyore should be our patron saint. I just don't. Uh, we need to have some optimism and act like we're heading toward the light. And by the way, we're not just heading toward, you know, that light and death. You know, I, I, you know people with near-death experiences, I saw, you know, a light. I was going towards the light. Listen, we, we're not talking about just any old light here. Jesus is the light. And we need to understand that it's important for us. It's good to read and to know things and to be exposed to other truths. That's fantastic. But ultimately, Jesus is not another lamp in the world. He is the light. Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room here. If you are ready to step out of darkness and into the light, then Jesus is the only one who is, as the scriptures say, the true light. As John's gospel tells us, Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 20, 28, we are told there that Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His blood will buy you out of the darkness. His blood will redeem you from the curse of the law. If you are in darkness, that is a choice. And I want you to make a definitive decision to not stay in the darkness. The long night of sin and the darkness in this world, it is real. But I believe that the light is real too. And these two things are not, they are opposite, but they are not equals. We need to believe that Jesus can push away the darkness, even the darkness of our own hearts. Genesis 3.15, we covered this, this chapter a few months ago. And it talks about the seed of the woman crushing. Well, here's that word again, crushing uh, the, uh, the enemy, Satan. And I think we need to realize that that's been the plan all along. The light comes into the world to crush 
the darkness. The Lamb of God comes to take away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. We are told that Jesus suffered outside the gate in Hebrews 13, 12, that he is the one sacrifice for sins for all time. So here's the gist. Here's what the gospel says. If there is darkness in your life, Jesus is the answer. And it's time for us to walk out of the darkness and into the light because that will bring a new day. It's our last point for today. As we read tomorrow, I think it's on the reading for the 20th of December. And tomorrow you should be reading this, but Winslow, Martin Winslow talks about his family's Christmas tree. And one of the ornaments on that tree is a rusty nail. That is a strange ornament. My guess is, is that Hobby Lobby is not selling a lot of nail Christmas tree ornaments. I don't know because I don't go in there. Um, that place is dangerous for a man. It just is. Okay, let me get past that. Uh, to have a nail ornament on your Christmas tree is actually very appropriate. It points us to the gift of light. It is so crucial, brothers and sisters, that we are constantly connecting the manger with the cross, Christmas with Easter. Just as I said earlier, we need to remember that the virgin birth is a miracle beyond explanation, but so is the resurrection of Jesus. But both of those things show us how far God went and how far he is willing to go to save us from our sins. The darkness is real. I keep saying that, but his light is better still. He wants to save you. And I want to say to you, Christian, if you are in the dark, it's because you're not walking with Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you are, are lost, but it does mean that you've drifted. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. My, my thought here is, is that if we would say we're going through a dark period right now, it could be circumstances. But most often, it's those circumstances that have put a wedge between us and God. And I don't know if that is you, but if you would say that your life lately has not had the, the, the kind of light that you expect and that you need so desperately, hear me out. I'm not being critical, but the truth is we need to remember that Jesus is the light. And if we stay close to him, we will not walk in darkness. Are you following him? Over the years, Leon Morris has been one of my favorite Bible commentators, New Testament commentators. He says this, light always illuminates and is never illuminated. The Lord wants to truly change you, and his light always illuminates. There is no greater light. There is only transformation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, we need the blood of Jesus. God is stirring our hearts here at Ridgecrest, and many people, old and young, male and female, just across the board, from all different backgrounds, I hear people talking about a passion that they have to pray for revival. And I'm here to tell you that we need the, the wind of God to blow on us. We, we in, in evangelical Christianity today, in, in, in our world today, it seems like we're back to Genesis 1 where things are formless and void. It, it feels like it's been a long time since we've experienced the fullness of God's power, and that is not okay. 
But if you read that story in Genesis 1, you read that God's wind, His breath, His Spirit blows upon the waters, and then all the chaos starts to go away as creation falls into place. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to breathe on you. The chaos and the darkness and the void inside of you, if you will receive the light that is Jesus, if you will ask Him to cover your sins with His precious blood, you will no longer be in that darkness, but you will be made free. In fact, this morning, I want to tell you, you have to choose to stay in the dark. Today, as we've heard about Jesus the light, as we've thought about how he was born, he was born to die on a cross for our sins, and he rose again from the grave. That's the, that's the essence of the gospel. You have heard the gospel this morning, and you must choose to stay in the dark. If your heart is broken, if your eternal destiny is unsure, if you cannot say with certitude that if you were to die right now, you would be in heaven, then friends, you need to realize that the Spirit of God is speaking, because he still speaks today, and he is allowing his light to shine on you. He is the light. And the darkness does not need to remain. The gift that Jesus' birthday brings us, there are many, but it is light itself that he's offering you. So let me just tell you, one, two, three, what you need to do. First, walk toward the light. There are some of us in this room We've been in the darkness long enough. We've made our excuses. It's time to get saved. It's time to follow Jesus. Many of us in this room, we have a profession of faith, and we say that we believe in Jesus. Now it's time for us to remain in the light. In other words, maybe too much darkness has crept in. It's time to rededicate. It's an old concept, but it's a good one. From time to time, we need a course correction. And in this instance, we need to get closer to the light. And then finally, church, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, start a fire. Start a fire. Ask God to take the gifts that he's given you and the illumination that your heart has experienced and use that for the glory of his kingdom. And so there are three calls to this altar. One, come to Christ. Two, draw closer to Christ again, rededication. Three, if you are following Christ and the light of Christ is in you and you feel like that you are not where you need to be spiritually, then ask God to ignite the fire. It's the only way that the darkness will be pushed back. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.